Welcome to the Marietta First United Methodist Church Podcast. Marietta First is a community of disciples dedicated to living and serving faithfully our local community of Marietta, Georgia, and around the world. We are glad you're here. It is our prayer that this podcast offers you hope and grace on your own journey of faith. chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. People do not light a lamp and put it under the bushel basket. Rather, they put it on the lampstand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and, go th- and give glory to your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have come to abolish, but not, I've come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But but whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Cameron, for the reading of our gospel this morning. So a number of years ago, my husband, Ted, and my son, Nathan, decided that it was time to get another dog. We had had an Airedale Terrier when our boys were little, so it had been some time since we had had a dog. Part of it was because, well, I didn't really want a dog. Full confession. I'm not a dog person. I'm a cat person. Cats are independent, which suits me. While dogs, they need a lot of attention. They need to be petted, they need to be walked, you know, all that stuff. And cats just lounge around. Sometimes they need attention, they'll let you know when they do, but most of the time, they spend their days sleeping. So I told them, Ted and Nathan, if you want a dog, fine, but don't expect me to be of much help. So we narrowed it down. We narrowed it down to what kind of dog we wanted. We wanted an easy dog. We wanted a laid-back dog, not hyper. If you have a terrier, if you've ever had a terrier, you know that they could be hyper, and I could not control that dog. It controlled me. So we decided that we wanted a laid-back dog, fun, loyal, a larger dog maybe, and so we settled on a golden retriever. (laughs) It's all right. Maybe because of the fond memories that we had when our kids were little and we watched those Air Bud movies, it just seemed like the ideal dog to have. So Ted and Nathan decided to visit some of the places that had some rescue dogs, some, some retrievers. 
And so they found one, and they brought him home just to see if it was a good fit, and his name was Champ. If you're familiar with golden retrievers, then you know, like most dogs, they have their own distinctive features and personalities. They are big dogs, big floppy ears, they're golden fur, and then their eyes are often a brown or a golden brown. And when they are looking at you, they are filled with kindness and love. And when they are excited or they're smelling something or they hear something, their whole body is erect, their tail and their ears. And they shed a lot. Somebody called it at the 9 o'clock service a cloud of fur around their house. You can never vacuum enough, but there's a constant cloud of fur everywhere. It's all over the house. But it's just what you get when you get a golden retriever. But the most distinctive characteristic of a golden retriever is its disposition. They are lovable. They are friendly. They are loyal. They are easygoing. They love to play, and they absolutely love to hang out. Sometimes, by the way, we ended up with Champ. He's still at our house. Sometimes when I look at Champ and he's hanging out with the family, I see the most contented dog ever. And I think that he's actually smiling when he's with us. If you don't know a golden retriever, they are the best dogs. And so after we had had Champ for about a year, I decided that I might not just be a cat person anymore that I'm also a dog person. This dog is so amazing, and one of the reasons that the dog is so amazing is because of its distinctive characteristics. People have distinctive characteristics as well, especially where people come from. You can always tell where people come from in different parts of the country. Americans are very distinctive about traditions and the way we do things, and also for those who grew up in different parts of the country. So I remember my son, my, we have, I've realized we've been here now in Georgia 20, almost 24 years. So my boys, this is home for them, and they were, they were raised here, they weren't born here. But I remember when um, our boys went to California to visit my mom, and they were sitting down in a restaurant, and they asked for some sweet tea. They had no idea in California what sweet tea is, and they said, you mean you want some sugar with your tea? And then when family comes here, I know my mother loves a sweet tea here, but when she first started coming here and she would order iced tea, they would say sweet or unsweet. And so she said, what does that mean? Oh, but she loves herself some sweet tea. Distinctiveness. You can tell the difference. Today is the second Sunday of Lent. And we're talking about the way of Jesus. It seems appropriate that today would be Confirmation Sunday as we talk about the way of Jesus. And we're looking at Jesus' teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. Often when we think of the Sermon on the Mount, we just think of the Beatitudes. But actually the Sermon on the Mount is chapters 5 through 7 in, in, in Matthew's Gospel. And Matthew's Gospel is very distinct because it's a teaching Gospel. It's actually meant to be taught and it's actually meant to be memorized. It's written in such a way that it can be memorized. And so there we are, we're on the mountaintop with, with Jesus, he's got his disciples with him, the crowds have gathered around, and they are overhearing the message of the Sermon on the Mount. 
And Matthew's gospel is, reflects somewhat of the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament. And so now we have this new teaching reflected in the five sections in Matthew's gospel. But what we hear from Jesus and what was read to us is that Jesus has come not to abolish the law, but that the law might be fulfilled through him. So as Jesus teaches and he preaches, he shares the distinctive characteristics of what it means to be a disciple and what he is expecting from his disciples. He shares the Beatitudes. There are nine of them. We heard that last week. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. But now we've reached the point where it's no longer just about others. We hear this word, you, you, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of of the world. So Jesus is talking to you, Jesus is talking to me, and our ears ought to perk up just a little bit. He's using these everyday metaphors to describe what it means to be a distinctive disciple of Jesus, salt and light. Salt's a strange thing, isn't it, to be like salt? How does one become like salt? I don't know how many of you prefer salty things. I'm a salty person. Well, let me rephrase that. I like I like salty things over sweet things. I'll take french fries and a bag of chips over a donut or cookies any day of the week. That is without the, except, without the exception of Reese's Take Five, which I've recently been introduced to, right? Reese's Five has sweet and salty with it. But salt, salt is distinctive. And it's not all bad. We use salt in a lot of different things and a lot of products. Salt is, we use it to make leather and pottery and soap. Detergents, rubber, clothes, paper, cleaning products, glass, plastics, and even in pharmaceuticals. But we also eat it in a lot of our own foods. And there are very few foods that we eat nowadays where there isn't some salt. It's an essential mineral for our bodies, but sometimes we eat too much salt, so we have to be very careful with that. But salt is used to preserve and to season our food. It's used in many, many products today. But this ordinary item is also very distinctive. You can taste salt. So salt is a metaphor that Jesus uses and says, you are the salt of the earth. But he uses another metaphor as well. He says, you are the light of the world. So he uses this to describe a disciple. So like salt, light we need light. We can't function without light. We have light because we need to know where we're going. We need to be able to walk. We need to be able to function and work and do all the things that we do every day. And we need to be able to see in order to do that. And light means, with no light, it means it's dark. And the dark can be a very, very scary place. When my son Eddie was little, he had an active imagination. And he got really scared of the dark. And so he asked if he could keep the light on when he went to sleep. So we did that. And he actually slept with the light on for a while. And then we put those little night lights around the house so that wherever you are walking, you know where you're going so that you don't walk into the wall, you don't step on one of those bugs, you know, all that stuff. You know exactly where you're going. And so it is distinctive, the light in the darkness, just as salt has a distinctive purpose Light has a distinctive purpose too. Salt and light, this is what Jesus says. And light allows us to illumine, illumine our life. So this is the way of Jesus 
We are to be distinctive. It doesn't mean that we do things to draw attention to ourselves, but we do things that draw attention to God. In just a few moments, our confirmands are going to join the church. They've already made a public profession of faith, and they've worked really, really hard for this moment. They have spent, I mean, how many months have they been doing this, Chad? Since September. They have been studying, they have been faithful, they have been present, they have been doing a lot of things up to this moment. And then in just a moment, they're going to make a promise, a covenant with God, with you, and with themselves as they join the church. And in these months that they have spent studying, they have studied a distinctive brand of Christianity called United Methodism. And if you don't ask me questions about the church, these, these students are smart, they are astute, they are curious, and they want to know Jesus in a deeper way. So here are some things that they have studied along the way. They've learned about John Wesley, learned that John Wesley was the founder of Methodism, but he was not, a per, he was not perfect at all. They learned the history of Methodism. They learned about the quadrilateral. The theology of grace, Christian perfection, the means of grace, free will and the omnipresence of God, salvation, the sacraments, and of course we've covered this, the vows of membership. And you know the important thing is they remembered these things. This past week I met with the confirmands and I just wanted to talk to them. I wanted to get to know them. I wanted to ask them some questions. And what I discovered is that they learned an awful lot that they were listening, that they enjoyed the stories that they heard. They went on a retreat to St. Simon's, which is where John Wesley, when he came to Georgia, went to Savannah, and he went to St. Simon's. They went to the museum there. They stayed at Epworth by the Sea. They made several field trips in our local community. One of those was to the Catholic Church. They visited the Catholic Church, and they learned what the difference between an open communion table is and a closed communion table. They visited a Jewish synagogue and the young men wore yarmulkes on their heads and they also, the rabbi shared with them something that was really important and that was one of the scrolls was from the Holocaust. One of the Torah scrolls was from the Holocaust. That was significant for them to be able to learn these things. And during their time together, they became closer. They became friends, and now the next step is to go and to live this out in the world. To be the salt and the light of the world. They are becoming disciples, and the outcome of discipleship is to be distinctive, is to stand out, not just to blend in with everybody else. So even when it might cause you or any one of us to look different than someone or someone wants to make fun of us or someone wants to be mean to us because we've chosen to follow the way of Jesus we are still called to be distinctive to be salt and to be light but this also means that disciples are involved this means that and I know our confirmants have heard this repeatedly today isn't the end right you don't just say, I'm done, and I'm never going to do church again. I'm not going to talk about Jesus again, and I'm finished with my faith. This is actually the beginning, because you've just made a public profession of faith in Christ. And as a congregation, we have affirmed them, and we're going to do that membership vow with them. 
as we remember our own membership vows in just a moment. Today is not the end, it is the beginning. So I say this, be a little salty. Be a little salty and season the world with the love of Jesus. Be distinctive by sharing the gifts that you've been given from God and let your light shine brightly. Don't put your light under a bushel, don't put it under your bed, don't put it in a closet, but let it freely shine out because God has created you uniquely you and the world needs to see that. Be distinctive in who you are in your faith. And don't let others try to get in the way of that because it will happen. It will happen. But we do this and we're distinctive and we're Christians because this is a message for all of us to be reminded to be distinctive in the world. That we do this not to draw attention to ourselves, not to say, hey, look how great I am, I'm a Christian but rather to point to something that's so much greater and so much bigger than we are. It's to point to the Lord. It's to point to God. And that's what salt and light mean. These students today, they give me great hope. They give me great hope because Jesus is still calling young people to the church, even now, especially now, and the church needs you. The church needs you. I talked to them about what leadership they wanted to be in because, you know, our young people, now that they become full members of the church, can sit on our committees. They didn't want to serve on a committee. <laughs> maybe one day, maybe one day you will serve on a committee. But I want to close with this. John Wesley had a lot to say about the Sermon on the Mount. And he had a number of sermons that he wrote uh, on the Sermon on the Mount. And I want to share this from the fourth discourse. John Wesley says these, this. Is there a way to keep our faith to ourselves and not offend others? So long as true religion abides in our hearts, it is impossible to conceal it, as well as absolutely contrary to the design of its great author. Your holiness makes you as conspicuous as the sun in the midst of heaven. People who love darkness rather than light will try to prove that the light in you is darkness. Whatever religion can be concealed is not Christianity, the only way to hide the light is by putting it out. It is the design of God that every Christian should be in the open point of view, that he may give light to all around, that he may be visibly express the religion of Jesus Christ. And in every place where God has spoken, there are witnesses who testified to the gospel with their lives and their words. They were distinctive. May you do the same. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Marietta First United Methodist Church podcast. For more information about Marietta First United Methodist Church, we invite you to connect with us online at mariettafumc.org or on Facebook at Marietta FUMC.